Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Sunday Service. Here we are in the first quarter of the year, almost wrapping up. I actually just had a conversation with Cody and Matt today talking about wrapping up our quarter one of 2021. Things are going by fast. They're going by so fast. So if you guys are not... If you guys are not cranking out deals... I appreciate you guys coming to Sunday service so you can learn how to do deals. So I want to do a little bit of housekeeping real quick, if you guys don't mind. We are going to have Cody Barton here in a couple of minutes, but we've been out all day having a good time with our, our team, people um, in our company, our employees, our, our, our staff members, our team members, having a great day. Alejandro Alvarez, what's up, bro? Good to see you on here. Congrats on your first creative finance deal out there in Texas. I'm super proud of you, bro. Super, super proud of you. If you guys are sub two students and you're hanging out, please do me a favor. Let the audience know that are not sub two students who you are and where you're at in the country so that they can reach out to you and you can help them out with your deals. Okay. A couple of pieces of um, housekeeping. Okay. Number one, if you guys don't mind, let everybody know we are the only state in the union besides, I think, Hawaii. Um, that does not participate in daylight savings time. So what ultimately happens with us is that you guys all change your time, but we do not. So for me, it's seven o'clock. It's seven o'clock all year long when we do Sunday service every single week. The only time I have ever missed Sunday service was last week because the broadcast was actually set up incorrectly and there was people waiting and waiting and waiting. So really apologize for that, guys. We will do a better job of announcing that up front. So number one, let everybody know you're a sub two student and where you're at. So if you're a non sub two student, you can look at people in, in those geographical areas and say, oh my gosh, that's somebody that can help me out with a creative finance deal, et cetera. Crazy good week for us. Crazy good week. Um, had a student that wrapped up a deal that he's going to make a quarter million dollars on one deal. I've got a deal that we're working um, in Florida that is seven properties, I believe, 0% seller finance. And we've got another one in Mesa, just right down the road from us. Again, another 0% seller finance. Really, really good. Um, I've got a couple of Vegas sub two deals that I'm working on that have been um, co-wholesaled to me. So I didn't, I'm not direct to seller. I'm actually the person buying those and keeping those houses. So we're acquiring. The market is good. It is so crazy, crazy good. It's almost unbelievable. It's unbelievable how good the market is. And I hope we've got another 18 to 36 months or um, something along those lines to make sure that we just keep cranking out deals. Okay. Mike Anderson says he's a non-sub two student in Phoenix, Arizona. Mike, if you are doing deals, bro, you need to let me know. I would love to buy any deal from you here in Phoenix, Arizona. Now, um, do us a favor, guys. We, we, um, before COVID, we had this show up to about 800 live viewers. And right now, between a couple of YouTube channels, a couple of Facebook groups, we're about at 200, and I imagine we'll probably be up at 300 before the end of the show. So do me a favor. 
let everybody know. Okay. Do me a favor. We, we don't charge anything for the show. We've been doing this show for two years, having a good time with it. Do me a favor. If you haven't already subscribe to my YouTube channel, so you guys know when we go live on this show. And then also bring a friend, go share this in a Facebook group right now and just say, Hey, Sunday service is live. No, it's not a religious podcast. It's all about creative finance. And I wanted to go through exit strategies today. Specifically, we're going to go through lease options. Okay. We're going to go through primarily how are we buying deals and then how are we dispoing those deals? I think a lot of people don't have a clue how worthless, I'm sorry to say this, how worthless wholesale can really be in a market like this. You have sellers that even though they are in distress, they can throw their house on the market in an as-is crappy condition and sell it in 14 seconds. In fact, we've got a listing today that has 56 offers, 56 offers. And so we reply back to all 56 offers and say, hey, reply back with your highest and your best. Isn't that crazy? It's absolutely crazy what's going on. Hey, Eva Mims, good, good to see you. So guys, do me a favor, please. We're going to get into the show. Show goes about an hour and a half every single Sunday, 7 p.m. Arizona time. And why do I say Arizona time? People are like, what is that? Mountain Standard Time, Pacific Standard Time? Guys, it's Arizona time, okay? We're the only people that are not knuckleheads about our time. We just leave it the same all year long. It's a breath of fresh air. So the challenge is people say, well, they're Mountain Standard Time, which is true. Half the year we are Mountain Standard Time or we're the same as them. And then half the, other year, half the rest of the year, we are Pacific Standard Time. So I just say Arizona time. We're 7 p.m. Arizona time. So do me a favor. Please like, comment, and more importantly, share. I would love for you guys to bring one person back next week because this is what we're going to be doing. Okay. Now I go into these really, really deep with case studies and all sorts of crazy stuff showing documents and you know seller calls and all that kind of stuff with my students. But we're going to get a little bit more surface level um, for all of you beginners out there. That's what Sunday service is about. Sunday service is providing creative finance education as far as it pertains to creative, to um, beginners, right? People that are just trying to get into the game for their first couple of deals. All right. So I want to go through and I want to talk about all of the exit strategies. I don't think a lot of people really realize how many exit strategies there are. Okay. So we're going to go over that real quick and we're going to jot it all down in my my handy dandy notebook. So give me just a second here. Let's cut this. Oops. And we're going to go through and show you guys a handful of these exit strategies. Now I go through this a lot with my students, obviously, but tonight we're going to go through and talk a little bit more service level on lease options. So no question is a stupid question. Okay. No question is a stupid question. Yeah. Alan Johnson says no daylight savings. Yes. We do not do daylight savings, okay? I'm so sorry, guys. I am so sorry, but no, we do not do daylight savings. We, um, I, don't, I honestly don't know the purpose of daylight savings at this point, but um, maybe somebody does. All right. So I'm pulling up my uh, notepad, getting this a little bit prepared. Cody's going to be in here in a little bit, but let's talk about this. Let me switch my camera over. All right, so check it out, guys. Check this out. Here are the exit strategies 
that a lot of people don't even know about. Okay. And somebody's going to say, I can't read it. All right, great. Here we go. Here are the things. This is all creative, by the way, because we don't really talk about wholesale. That's what I talk about on Wholesale Hotline on Mondays. Okay. So right here, here we go. Here are the exit strategies for creative finance. Did you know I can wholesale a subject to deal? A lot of people don't know that. Can you wholesale a subject to deal? Yes. Can you wholesale a seller finance deal? Yes. Can you wholesale a land contract, agreement for deed, agreement for sale, um, all that stuff? Yes, you can. Can I wholesale a lease option? Yes, I can. So that's kind of cool. This is a big part of what we're going to talk about today, wholesaling lease options for an assignment fee. Okay. I can also buy creatively. So what does buy creatively mean? Buy creative. That means I'm either buying on one of, one of three ways. Okay. I'm either buying subject to seller finance or um, on some sort of um, agreement for sale, land contract, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And if I buy creatively, that means I can sell it on a wrap and I can then seller finance it or sell it. I'm sorry, seller finance or sell on a wrap. Even then, after I sell it on a wrap, I can sell my position after selling it on a wrap to a note buyer. So that's a pretty cool exit strategy. I'm doing one of those right now on a mobile home that we built. Then you can buy creative, sell on a land contract. That's cool. Buy creative and then disposition. I didn't say sell on a lease option, but you're basically doing a lease option. Then you can buy on a lease option and sell on a lease option. A lot of people call that a sandwich lease option. I'm not a big fan of that. I know there's a lot of people in Texas that there's a couple of guys in Texas. I don't really like this method. Not a big fan of it. We do a lot of this. Okay. We buy creatively and then we do the SIR method. You guys heard of the Burr method? The Burr method is the little baby brother to the SIR method. The SIR method is what professionals use. Okay. SIR method is buying it seller finance or subject to. Okay. Seller finance or subject to is what the S stands for. And then notice that on the Burr method, you have four R's, but on the SIR method, you only have three. That's because this stands for subject to or seller finance acquisition, renovate, rent, repeat. I don't, have to, I don't have to refinance because I already have an amazing loan because I took it over subject to or seller finance. So that's why I call it the SIR method. Something I coined, same thing with subtail. That's another thing that we coined, subtail. And then novation agreement, that's a great exit strategy. We do a lot of those. Currently, we are doing um, seller finance with some new home development, seller finance with Airbnb. We're doing a lot more of that lately. Group homes, I kind of got out of group homes. I think group homes are trash, personally. Um, we have a couple of corporate rentals. It's not our main business. Um, I have one student rental, and I have a short sale guy that I send all my short sales to. His name is Matthew Potter. He's unbelievable, okay? Then um, I also, right here, you guys can see I have a SIR strategy with another, another R on it, just in case you need to refinance. And then finally, the worst case scenario, you can do the Burr strategy, but that is not creative at all. In fact, I think it's a horrible um, exit strategy for most people that are beginners, okay? So we're going to be talking about of that. So Adam says, why are you not a fan of lease option sandwich? Well, here's the reason I feel like, and I'm going to say something really strong here. You guys ready for some strong stuff? I believe that if you are buying on lease options, 
If you are buying on lease options, I think you are a horrible negotiator. Okay. I think that if um, at the end of the day, why don't I want a lease option? Because Adam, who's the owner on a lease option? I'm not the owner on a lease option, which means, okay, what, what does that mean? That means I don't get the benefits of owning a property. Hey, everybody that's new, so good to have you. Thank you so much. We've got a little over 250 people watching live between a couple of different um, streams. We kind of all bring it all together and I can see everybody's comments between Facebook and YouTube and everything here. So thank you guys so much. If you're just tuning in, do me a favor, introduce yourself. Are you a student of mine? Are you not a student of mine? Where do you live? What do you need help with? What questions do you have? Okay. Now, Tanisha, who is a brand new student of mine, actually, good to see you in here. Yo, yo, Cody is in the house, guys. We'll give him a second to get situated. Um, but let me, let me jump on Adam's question. It's a, such a great question. Okay. I, I love it. I really want you guys to write this down. What's up, Claudio, out of, uh, out of Chicago? Actually, you're not, are you in Chicago or are you in Boston? I think you're in Boston, right, Claudio? Anyway, guys, so we're going to go through real quick, and we've gone through this on previous um, Sunday services, the benefits of creative finance. We ended up listing out 29 benefits to creative finance, okay? We actually had somebody come in here and say, hey, why would a seller sell to you on creative finance? And we actually listed out 29 reasons why. It was great. I couldn't figure out the 30th. We stretched it, right? We stretched it. So here is something very interesting, but I want to go through what are the financial benefits of buying a property creatively or owning a property for that matter or doing real estate in general. Number one, let's talk about that good old magic cash flow. So can I get cash flow on a lease option, Cody? Yes, you can. Okay, cool. So what would be the next one? Guys, everybody give Cody a little bit of love here, all right? We're at about 250, 275 floating between there on, on users. I want to see 275 comments welcoming Cody to back to the show. All right. He, him and I have not actually been on a show together in about a month. We've been tag teaming and helping each other out because we've got multiple businesses that we're building and uh, we're staying really busy. And so we're, we've been tag teaming. But so benefit number two, benefit number two, guys, is appreciation. So even though we are cash flowing, which is crazy cool, you know, Cody, this property I'm in right now, the house, this house I'm living in, um, and I imagine McClellan, the property that you bought sub two last year and you lived in, yeah, has appreciated like crazy. But this one that I'm living in on Sterling, mm -hmm. I bought it for three ninety. It is currently the model match non remodel is currently selling for five fifty. In 13 months, this house has gone up $160,000 in 13 months. Dude, it's in, it's insane seeing that. I mean, I the Greenfield property that I uh, that I own, I lease optioned it for a higher amount than I expected the market to even be at. And now if they execute the option, I'm going to be selling 10,000 under market value. So I really hope they don't execute it. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. That's it. Dude, that isn't that crazy. Yeah. There's a couple of times, like there's a couple of lease options and we're, guys, we're going to get into a lot of lease options, but I'm going to answer a question for Adam here on the screen. Adam's question is why not a fan of lease options sandwich? 
and I'm, I'm in a very long winded approach to answering that question. Okay. Um, Hey, Onika says my goal is to creatively finance my own home. I need to move ass ASAP. Um, question, what would be my best option? So Onika, you need to give us a little bit more. Are you selling? Are you going to sell your home on creative finance or do you need to buy a home on creative finance? Okay. So um, guys, back to the question at hand. Okay. Let's go through the benefits of creative finance. Number one, cash flow. Two, appreciation. Three, I'm going to tell you the most important part in my personal opinion, especially because of Cody and my um, other businesses, we do fix and flips. Like Cody and I both just got a check for $52,000 each in our pocket after taxes and everything on one from one deal. So depreciation is super helpful for tax reasons. And guess what, Cody, do you get any sort of tax depreciation from a lease option? No. Okay. So let's say that I buy a property and I actually own that property and I bought it for $300,000. Shit. Let's talk about one we actually did. Okay. Let's talk about one very specific. Um, what's a recent sub two deal that we've done? Top of your head. Uh, Des Moines. Okay. Des Moines. What's the purchase price on that? Do you remember? It's like 280. Okay. 280 plus the renovation. So our total cost to get yeah, into the deal is like 320. Okay. So we're about $320,000 into that house. Okay. Did I have to go get a loan for that? No, we took it. We took it over subject to, we took over the lady's note. We took over her payment, right? So check it out. What happened is I get a massive credit. So we're going to take five-year depreciation and we're not going to talk all about depreciation here, but we're going to take a depreciation of up of five years up front on this year, on this deal. Cody, will you do some math for me on your phone? Yeah, let's do it. $320,000 divided by 27.5. That is $11,636. Okay, multiply that by uh, multiply that by 5. The 11,000 multiply that by 5. We have $58,181. Okay, $58,000. Guess what, guys? We get to write that off on our taxes. So that means that Cody and I can go make $58,000 in our wholesale business tax-free because we, we own this property on Des Moines. Okay, so Cody and I, I'm, I'm going to maybe trigger some um, people that are like really love to pay taxes, but Cody and I didn't pay any taxes last year. And we made combined millions of dollars last year combined we made millions of dollars and combined, we paid $0 in taxes. Meanwhile, everybody with nine to fives is paying. That's the crazy thing is people with nine to fives making one tenth or one twentieth less than we are, are paying more money in income taxes than we are. And that's because of depreciation. So when somebody asks me a question, why do I not like lease option sandwiches is because that means I have to, that I'm acquiring that property from a homeowner on a lease option. And guess what? I don't own that property. And if I don't own that property, then I have no right to depreciate that property and get that tax benefits of owning houses. Yep. It is one of the biggest reasons. In fact, when Cody and I go make a hundred grand or 200 grand or whatever it is, um, aberrant art says, have you ever been audited by the IRS? Aberrant art. When I get those questions, um, so 
when I get those questions about people saying, um, have you ever been audited? They think that depreciation and getting tax benefits is like some illegal scam. My brother and everybody on here, I want you guys to understand something very important. We are following the tax code. This is an actual incentive that the, that the IRS gives us. So these 27 and a half, that 27 and a half number that I gave, got, that comes directly from the IRS. We don't make this up. This comes directly out of the IRS code. Okay. So if you guys don't have good CPAs, you guys don't have good representation, I can tell you, you are making a grave, grave mistake. Okay. So you for people to understand is the IRS wants you to, they incentivize you to do these things. The IRS, they want you to own properties because the government wants you to own the property so you can provide housing for other individuals to live in. So you, as the person taking that risk to own the property, to provide housing, the government rewards that. Do you get the depreciation when you buy single family homes, whether you're buying apartment buildings, whatever type of buildings you're buying, you're buying buildings, you're stimulating the economy, you're doing the activity that the government wants you to be doing. And that's why they incentivize people to do it. So does that make sense, guys, why I'm not a fan of acquisitions on lease options? Does everybody understand why we think lease options on an acquisition standpoint is a waste of time? I personally would rather just learn how to negotiate on sub two or seller finance and take over the entire property because now I'm the owner. Here's the other reason why I'm not a fan of lease option acquisitions, okay? This one's a pretty big one. Probably one of the biggest reasons why we love this is because, let me pop my screen full screen if you don't, you guys don't mind. One of the biggest things about this is that, guess what? I don't have to go get a loan when I buy on subject to or seller finance. No loan, no credit, right? And I've never, I don't think, Cody, have we ever had a seller or anybody ask us for like a guaranteed personal funds or any sort of like bank records or anything when we buy all these properties? No. Never. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it just makes it so much easier. I mean, I'm going through the process right now of getting a traditional loan and it's, it's hilarious. Just all the documentation that I'm providing and how much, you know, how many questions they have. And, you know, we have multiple businesses, so it's concerning to, you know, their underwriter, they have to manually underwrite it because they're seeing different entities and month too much, you know, money movement all around. And it just is so, it just slows down the acquisition process is the best way to say it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So if you don't have to get a loan, here's the problem with the lease option, okay? If I get a lease option, guess what? Do I own the property? Well, we've already established that I bought the property from the owner through a lease option. Guess what? I actually didn't buy the property. Okay. I didn't buy the property. I'm leasing it with an option to buy. So when I decide, you know what? I really want to take that option in my contract. I want to take that option. Guess what I have to go get? Cody, what do I have to go get? Got to go get a traditional loan. Got to go get a traditional loan, which means you have to use the three C's, cash, credit, and credentials, right? So yeah. with subject to seller finance, Novation agreements, all that kind of stuff. We don't have to use any of these, the three C's. Okay. A lease option, we do. Have we sufficiently answered that question, Adam? Does that help you? I got 10 more reasons why I don't like a buying on um, lease options, but I don't want to go 
um, through that exactly. Kelly says, what are you getting a traditional loan for, Cody? So Kelly, contrary to popular belief, even though I do think that the birth strategy is for idiots, um, people that don't understand how to negotiate creative finance, I, we do do the birth strategy from time to time, and we are currently in the middle of a birth strategy uh, property. We're doing that right now. And then I'm also planning to buy a, a personal residence uh, later this year as well. So getting the burr done and then going through it with a personal purchase. Yes. So um, Lynn Wagner um, asked a question. She says, can you explain how to wholesale a subject to? So guys, if we go back to the very top of this, Cody, you missed out on this, but um, I'm going to go back to the top of this and we're going to talk about real quickly all the exit strategies that Cody and I currently use. Okay. And if you're a wholesaler, you don't use any of these. <laughs> um, you basically wholesale these to your, uh, you wholesale deals to your cash buyers and your cash buyer goes and makes way more money than you. And uh, you barely um, scratch the surface on what's possible. Okay. So check this out. Look on my screen. This is where um, Lynn asked, can you talk about wholesaling a sub too? Because that's one of the first exit strategies I brought up today. Okay. Look at these wholesale sub two, wholesale seller finance, wholesale land contracts, agreement for sale, wholesale lease options, buy creative, sell on a wrap, buy creative, sell on a wrap and sell your position, right? Sell to a, a note buyer, buy creative, sell on a land contract, agreement for sale, agreement for deed, contract for deed, buy creative, do, sell, sell it on a lease option. Like Cody was just talking about, we do, we used to do a lot more of these. Buying on lease option, not a fan of it. Selling on a lease option, sandwich. Buy, uh, buy creative, do the SIR method. We, we do a lot of these. SIR method is just holding a rental without having to get a freaking loan. Subtel, doing a fix and flip. Novation agreement, fix and flip. Buy creative, develop um, homes. We do that. Buy creative, do Airbnbs. We've got one that's just about to go live. My Dallas one just went live uh, today. Um, buy, buy creative, do group homes, not a fan. Buy creative, do corporate rentals. We only have one. Buy creative, do a student rental. I only have one. Doing short sales, we just we just sub that out to a professional. And then you can do the burr um, if you really want to just kick yourself in the face. Okay? So all these exit strategies that we have and we have access to, we'd be ha I'd be more than happy to go through all of these. Be more than happy to go through those. But today, we're going to be going through um, lease options. Okay? And I just took a 20-minute detour on, how, on why we don't like lease options on acquisitions. But we're going to talk primarily today on how to sell on a lease option. And what does that look like, right? What are the stipulations? What are the ins and outs? How do we price it? Uh, why do we decide one exit strategy or another? We would be more than happy to talk through all those. But each one of those exit strategies is, a is not only one show um, by itself. It's literally... I'll talk about one exit strategy with my sub two students for, for an entire year, right? Like Saturday, we went through and did some case studies on wholesaling sub twos. Um, a lot of our students like Donovan Richard and Reese Pennington, you guys see Donovan Richards in, in the co comments. These guys are wholesaling a lot of sub two and seller finance deals, right? Amazing, amazing group of guys. And it takes not one podcast to learn that. So we would have to Focus one podcast on one exit strategy so that we can deep dive and specifically answer questions pertaining to that exit strategy. Hopefully that makes sense. Okay. 
Phil says, does depreciation need to be paid back once the property is sold? Cody, I've been going down the, the, the rat's nest, or the, not the rat's nest, the rabbit hole on depreciation. And oh my gosh, I have gotten some amazing, amazing education from Anderson Business Advisors and some of the ma um, masterminds that actually both you and I are in. The one you missed, the one in uh, Miami. But yeah. the, answer is, the answer is no. So check this out, Cody. You want to hear something super interesting? Yes, I do. Okay. Oh, Gaines City. So Gaines City says, how are you protected with a novation agreement? Today, unfortunately, guys, we're only going to be answering questions about lease options. Gaines City, freaking love you. Love your questions. You always ask really great questions. But can you guys really make sure that we focus on lease option questions today so we can stay on one topic? That would be so amazing because there's a lot of people that want to come back and maybe review it. But if I, get, if I keep getting deviated, it really messes up the community. So let's stick our questions specifically to lease options today. Um, otherwise, I got to ignore you and I got to just focus on lease option questions. And I don't want to do that. Um, Nigel says, hey, Pace, I thought group homes was a great strategy. What did you learn now that you're not a fan? So I own four group homes. I think group home is a bona fide job, right? Kind of like owning a Subway franchise, are you really a business owner or do you just babysit teenagers all day long? Right? Are you really a business owner if you're a Subway fran franchise or are you just a babysitter? That's how a group home is. You're a babysitter. It's a, it's a people-centric business, um, whereas owning real estate is somewhat automated. You're not having to deal with you know hiring and firing nurses, hiring and firing dietitians, people dying in the properties, all of the things, the regulations, the insurance, the workman's comp, and all the things that come along with it, plus going out and constantly looking for new people all the time when people pass away or they move out. Group homes, nobody that does group homes, I'm going to tell you right now, you find me one person that does group homes that actually makes real money and is willing to show financials, and I will show you a liar because there's nobody. I was in that business for, for uh, a number of years. And everybody that has less than 10 houses is suffering. They're trying to make money. It is a bona fide job. So not a big fan of it. Can you make money? Yeah, but it's a bona fide job. So if it's something where you go, look, I want to quit my job. I'm making 100 grand a year. And you want to go and own four or five group homes? Okay, great. Then you can make 150 grand a year. But you know what? There's a lot of work there. There's a lot of babysitting, right? Cody and I just hired. Who was our most recent hire that's like a game changer? What does Sharon do? Oh, she's amazing. HR. I mean, she she protects us from ourselves with hiring and firing for everything now going forward. And she's awesome. I'm literally, she's texting me as we're on this call about two new jobs that we need to hire for that she's finishing up job descriptions for. So excited. <laughs> Love it. So we it, hiring and firing people is such a big part of um you know owning businesses cody and i own um double digits businesses together okay um we own a lot of businesses together so there's a lot of recruiting there's a lot of onboarding there's a lot of training and hiring and all that kind of stuff so we just decided to hire an hr director cody did a great job on finding her she's amazing um she has been, she hired, she just hired a girl named Cynthia recently for one of our other businesses, game changer, like almost overnight. So, you know, business is very um, people centric and group homes are 10 times that. Okay. So just staying away from gr uh, group homes is just not the right way to go. Okay. 
So let's go. Dude, we got some really good questions. I'm going to have Cody jump into a couple of these, okay? Um, Edwin says, Cody, have you done much research on Texas? Because I know this answer incredibly well just because I deal with this so frequently. No, no, I haven't on the lease options out there anyway. Okay, so Edwin Rodriguez says, because there's always a lot of Texas people on our show. Um, Pace, can you elaborate lease option in Texas? I've heard they are trickier in Texas. Yes, they are. Um, they are incredibly tricky in Texas to the point where they're really not worth it. Can they be done? Yes. If somebody tells you a, a lease option can't be done in Texas, they're, they're lying to you. You can do lease options in Texas, but the hassle and the hoops that you have to run through, it's not worth it. So most of the people that you see that are doing creative deals in Texas, their, their exit strategy is never a lease option because the time and energy it takes to focus on an exit strategy like lease option in Texas, most people just sell on a wrap, right? They sell on seller fi finance and they become the bank because why do I want to have a tenant and have to jump through all these regulations? And the reason for that, everybody, a lot of people don't know this, but there's a lot of people um, that ask this question in Texas. Okay. And here's why. Texas made it really, really hard to do lease options years ago. Here's what happened. There was a guy that had over 120, 130 lease options in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. A tornado came through and basically ripped off the roofs on all, thousands of houses. And it ripped off the roofs of a bunch of this guy's houses. And he got in a bad situation. He couldn't afford it. And he threw it all on the lease option owners, as he should, but he didn't structure his paperwork properly. And the, the government, it was such a big deal. The government came in and said, hey, we're, we're putting a kibosh on lease options in Texas. Now, there are multiple ways around those laws, but they're tricky. And it's not entirely worth the time and energy to do it. So again, most of the people that you'll see in Texas, like Scott Horn, really good attorney in Dallas, really, really smart guy. Multiple people in, in San Antonio, Houston, Austin, doing a lot of deals creatively you'll rarely hear these guys talk about lease options, okay? Rarely. So can you do them? Yes. Are they worth it? No. Personally, it's not worth it, okay? Um, Cody, here's a really great one right here. Ooh, I like this. I like this. German, yes. So is it two separate contracts for one deal, the lease and the option? Yes, we do two separate agreements. We have one agreement that states the terms for the option. And then we have a separate agreement that states the terms for the lease because it is two things, two different events that are occurring. And we also have, you know, specifically within the language that we use within our lease option agreement, our, our option becomes voided if certain things happen. So then the lease just stays in place. So we remove the option out of the uh, situation if certain violations happen by the lease option, you know, uh, lease option E that's in the property. Um, but then we can keep the lease still going and in place. So we keep them separate. Yeah, that's a it's a great one. So those are two completely different contracts. Actually, we just bought it. We guys check this out. This was kind of cool. We just got a cash deal here in Phoenix, Arizona, where the person we're buying the deal from actually is not the owner of the property. He bought the property from a landlord who gave him a lease option. Do you remember the purchase price on this thing? 80, 85 grand. He owes her 75 grand on a property that's probably worth 230. 
And it, we, when we asked him, what do you want? He goes, just pay off my lease option and give me 10 grand in my pocket. So we got that deal in, in, in South Phoenix for 85 grand. That's probably worth 229 to 239, something like that. That's so you, you can buy and execute somebody else's option for them. Cody, I got a question for you. Let's, let's, let's come up with, an, with something interesting, okay? So let's say that I'm a tenant and I bought a property from you on a lease option. I want to come up with a list of things that I can do to actually execute my option. Do I have to? Let's say I'm at year five, right? So I, get, I, buy, I go to Cody and I buy a house for $200,000. You know, I give him $10,000 option fee. And I have to go get a $200,000 loan in five years to give, to get Cody out of the deal, right? Cody, what if I, at the end of five years, what if I can't get a loan? What do I, what, what do I do? Do I just am done and I have no other options? I mean, really you can renegotiate the terms of the option. I mean, that's what it comes down to. If it, depending on the language in the agreement, uh, you could renegotiate the, the terms. You can put another option fee to secure a new option price to extend it. Um, I mean, that's the primary thing that they're going to be able to do, but you could also sell it. You can also, you know, if I can't, if I'm, you know, in that situation, I can list my property on the market and let somebody else execute that option at that price. Just ding, like we, ding, ding, everybody listen to that. Even yeah. if your tenant cannot qualify for the loan, Yep. Your tenant can sell the property and that is deemed a worthy execution of the option. Yep. And I hope my tenants don't do that at the one property that I have. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. German Perez says, Hermann, Hermann or German, depends on how white you are, says, I added, and that's, I'm talking about the person doing the pronunciation. I added an addendum to my option that states we can extend execution of option for 24 extra months. I'd be super curious why you would want to do that as the person selling the option. Yeah. I do not understand why you would ever do that. German, I don't, should I say German or should I say Hermann? <laughs> you tell me, should I, should I start with an H when I pronounce it or a G? You let me know, please. Um, German, like the language. Okay, great. So I have a guy that does our, he builds fences for us here. And he's like, no, my name is Herman. Herman. Okay. So great question, Cody. I'm going to, I'm actually going to ask you, have you answer this one next, but I just want to, I just want to wrap, wrap that one up. Um, Herman. Okay. Um, his question was, or his, his statement said, I add an addendum to my option that states we can extend the execution of the option for 24 extra months. Why though? I'm curious why you would do that, bro. Please, that, I, there's got to be something I'm missing there. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Please, please, please. Cody, um, let's answer this question real quick. Yeah, so how do you qualify someone as a viable lease option tenant? So everybody's going to have a little bit different qualification that they're going to be looking for. Um, primarily for us, we are, we are a little bit more lenient when it comes to the qualification on the lease option because of the option fee that they're going to be putting down. Um, one of the non-negotiables of our qualification is they must be able to, uh, they, their income must be three times whatever the rent amount is. 
uh, because we want to make sure that they can afford it. We don't want to put someone in a position where they move into one of our properties and they already are not able to afford the rent that they're in. So that's one of the first things. The second thing is their, um, when it comes to their background check, they need to be able to pass a background check, you know, no violent crimes, sex offenders. Um, we're pretty strict on, you know, violent crimes, you know, minor stuff. Um, we'll, you know, let people, you know, we give people a chance, right? But no violent crimes, um, three times monthly rent, and then credit we don't have as big of a concern with, and then no evictions. Those are the biggest things that we um, qualify based off of to make sure that we don't put someone that's going to put us in a bad situation in the property. Oh, this one's such a great question. Irene, it's been a while since I've seen you. Good to see you in here. Guys, by the way, thank you. We've, we, we're over 300 live viewers between YouTube and Facebook. So thank you so much. Um, when we take a couple of weeks off, like we did due to the time change, uh, we lose some viewership and uh, people don't plan on us being here. So thank you so much. Do us a favor. I would love to get up, uh, get our viewership up to six or 700 um, over the next couple of months. So do me a favor, tag us on Instagram, talk about this in the free creative finance Facebook group. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Do us a favor. When you come next week, bring a friend. And how can you bring a friend? Just text somebody say, hey, I'm going to go watch Sunday service. Watch it with me live, right? Get in the comments. Get to know everybody in the comments. Do deals with each other, okay? That's what we want here. We want an amazing community. So over 300 people watching live. Thank you guys so much. Irene asked the question, what happens to the option money that was originally put down with the lessor sells his position? Well, here's the thing. We are a firm believer of that option fee does not go towards the purchase price on the home. The option fee does not go towards the purchase price of the home because, Irene, it's not called a down payment, right? It's not a down payment. We do not want to infer ownership. There's guys in the lease, lease option space that I strongly disagree with on this strongly disagree with on this, that go in there and they say, oh yeah, I took a down payment from a lease option tenant. Is that really what you want to tell a lease option tenant? No. Hell are, no. Those are fighting words. <laughs> those are fighting words. You do not want to infer ownership. What does that mean, infer ownership? What that means is I give somebody a lease, right? So a two-year lease or a five-year lease and I give them an, a five-year option like we already talked about in the earlier part of the show. They're two different contracts, okay? The option says you have the option to buy this property from us at a predetermined price. And I can tell you right now, Cody, all of our outstanding lease options right now, we dramatically undersold them. Even when we sold them at the time, we felt like we oversold some of them, right? Yeah. We undersold so many of them. But that's another part of this uh, discussion that we can jump into here in a couple of minutes. So, um, let's say we sell something to somebody for 200 grand. Their option fee is on top of that 200 grand. So when they have to go and buy us out at the five-year mark or four-year mark or three-year mark, whenever they are credit worthy to go get their own loan, they have to get a loan and pay us off at $200,000, which also answers another question. We do not, never have we ever, and never will we ever take somebody's rent payment and credit it towards the purchase of the home. That is called seller financing, not a lease option. 
and you can get yourself into legal trouble through what we call inferred ownership. You, I, before I met with Cody, before Cody and I partnered with each other, I was in a lawsuit with a tenant that I sold a lease option to. That tenant came back and said, I gave him a down payment and he was giving me credits towards the, the mortgage of the home. And the attorney took me to court, cost me $7,000 to defend myself. Did I win? Yes, I did. But was that a fun $7,000 in four months of my life where I was having to protect myself against an attorney that was making incredibly valid arguments that I had inferred ownership by calling their fee to me a down payment and also doing rent credits towards the purchase of the home? That is called seller financing. Okay, that is called seller finance. So Irene, the question she asks again is what happens to that option money that was originally put down when the lesser sells his position? Well, that money doesn't need to, I don't even need to give you the answer to the question of when it, what happens to it when he sells his position. I'll tell you what happens to it the second we receive it. We receive it day one of the lease option um, period and they might not execute the option for five more years. But guess what? That check that we got, that $7,000, $10,000, $11,000 check we got, we go buy sushi with that. We go, we go to Cancun, Mexico with that. That's fun money. Okay. Or we go buy more deals or we pay off a lender. We do whatever with that, but it does not go towards the purchase of the house. We, here's what the value we're giving to them. Okay. This is where a lot of people don't understand. The value we are giving to a lease option tenant is giving them a much longer runway to go out and fix their credit to ultimately buy that property from us at some point. Now, it's also why we don't believe in one-year lease options. When I tell, when I see people doing one-year lease options, I'm like, dude, how are these people going to fix their credit in one year? You're doing them a disservice. So Cody and I do three to five-year lease options, which gives them enough time and energy to go get a second income, maybe get married, maybe um, put some money together, maybe fix their credit or get a job promotion, whatever, so that they can actually go out and get a traditional loan and pay us off, right? A one-year lease option doesn't really allow you to do that. Three to five years does, okay? So that when the, the lease option tenant sells their position, the money that they gave us five years prior Man, that had gone in and out of my belly so fast five years ago. I don't even know where that money is at this point. It's for, it's 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 uh it's bonus money. Okay, Cody, what was that deal we did? It was on the back of a golf course. It had, literally, we bought it subject to off foreclosure. Matt got it off a door knocking deal. What was it? Lindner. Lindner. Okay. So we buy this property, Lindner is a door knocking lead batchdriven.com. By the way, if anybody's driving for dollars, stop using um, that other driving for dollars app. I can't even remember the name of it. Um, affiliate machine. I think that's what it's called. <laughs> so stop using the affiliate machine company. Go use batch driven. That's what we use batchdriven.com. And Matt goes and knocks the door on a pre foreclosure, locks up a deal. We buy it subject to, we save the family from foreclosure and we buy it and we turn it into a lease option. Cody, do you remember how much money that lady gave us as an option fee on that ratty ass house that we barely did any renovation on? I think it was like 7,500 or 8,500, something It was like a little, it was right under $9,000. Okay. And this was last summer, guys. 
what happened to that that house? What what did that lady do to the house and what happened to, to her and what happened to her $9,000? I mean, she redid some of the house and then out of nowhere, she just sends us a message and says, hey, I'm leaving. I'm moving out of state. Here's the house back. Bye. Basically, just literally in an email and we're like, okay. And that was literally the last we heard from her. She just left. Yeah, she sends us a random text and she's like, the keys are under the mat. So that $9,000 option fee doesn't go anywhere, right? We took it. She forfeited it. And the reality is our, it doesn't matter whether they option it or not. They're paying us an option fee and the value they get in return. Ooh, this is a great question. I actually don't think I know this question answer. I know there's people that do this. I don't think we do. We don't, I don't know. They can, they can register their lease with, there's certain companies that they can register it with and for that to be able to uh, report so they could build their credit with that. But that's on them to be able to set up. Ooh, this is a great question, Cody. What do you think about this? Mike Anderson, what percentage of lease option folks actually end up buying the property? It's a very small percentage. Yes, it's know. under 15%. Okay. With all the people that are in our, our uh, creative finance world, the people that we do deals with, um, some people that have been doing creative finance deals for 50 years, the, one of the reasons they love lease options is because their tenants never actually execute the option. And so they're bona fide renters. So, so Cody, what, what's the difference between the demographic? Because I don't deal with the property management whatsoever. What's the difference between the demographic of a renter versus a lease option? Do you see a noticeable difference? Um, yeah, from the brain damage that I've been going through the last couple of months of having some other um, not so great tenants the last few months, um, the lease option residents, they've been great. I mean, typically a lot you know lower maintenance than the tenants are. They're, um, they just don't really bother us as much. I mean, on lease options, they're responsible for taking care of you know, most of the, uh, the repairs on the property. So that's, they just don't really bother us as much. So I, I really enjoy the lease option residents for the most part. We don't really have many issues with them. The traditional tenant like residents that are living in our properties, you know, there's some of them that are a little bit more challenging to deal with. So, um, a little bit more nitpicky. Usually our lease option residents, when they move in, they're not asking for us to fix every little tiny thing that's going on in the home. The tenants more often try to get away with that. So that ties into this question with Claudio. Read that out loud and let's answer that one. Uh, how often do you need to check in on the properties physically since we are not responsible for repairs? You don't need to check in on them. They're a lease option resident that have the intention of purchasing that property. So that's not something that you need to be checking in on because they have the option to buy it on our traditional tenant, you know, residents that are living in our normal rentals. That's something on like an annual basis to, you know, go in and check up on. Love that. Um, so Jeremy Davis, um, really great student of ours up in Utah, guys, anybody that's in Utah, that's a non-sub two student, reach, with, reach out to Jeremy. He can help you out. Um, so Jeremy says, is there a good strategy for pricing out lease options? The answer is yes, there is. Um, however, it's failed us recently. Yes. Okay. Very because much. the freaking market has gone crazy. So I had people a year ago criticize, or not a year ago, two years ago, criticizing us on how we did our lease option um, pricing. 
And now we're looking back on a, a, the, if I had the, if I could jump in a time machine and tell those people what has happened over the last two years, they would be like, I'm so sorry. You're right. You actually underpriced these. So here's, here's the way that we typically do it. Okay. We take a property. Let's say it doesn't matter where I buy it. If I buy it 50 cents on the dollar, 10 cents on the dollar, if I get it for free, it doesn't matter. I start with the ARV, not the as is value. I start with the ARV on the property. So let's say I bought it. I bought a sub two for $70,000, but the ARV is 120. Well, that's where I start. I start at 120. And then if I have a five-year lease option, what I do is I do a 5% appreciation over five years. So I take that 120 and I multiply it by 1.25, which would be 5% for five years. And that is typically where our pricing structure came from. And I can tell you, we dramatically underpriced our lease options doing that strategy, but not because the strategy doesn't work because the market is in this weird anomaly. Yeah. But that's the answer. So you take, you take your lease option, you take the ARV, whatever amount of years you're giving that option tenant, you multiply that amount of years by 5%. Why 5%? Because it's the average appreciation across the country. It's about 4 or 5%. Now, is that the truth? Frederick Harding, bro, somebody gave us a, a super sticker, dude. F Frederick, thank you, dude. He probably really liked that lease option structure thing. You know what I'm going to do, bro? I'm going to fill up my entire Prius with that four bucks tomorrow. Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So um, does the tenant, ooh, this one's good. Cody, you want to answer this one? Um, some, some of the tenants, they will opt to get like a home warranty if they want to cover certain items like major items like an air conditioning unit or if they have a pool to cover things like a pool. Um, but they're typically getting just their renter's insurance. And then we are still keeping um, full fire damage coverage on the property. Love that. That's, that's a great one. That's a great, great question. Now, there's a hundred different questions in here. Um, Mr. Skyline, Kelly keeps saying, Mr. Skyline, I hope Pace chooses your question. Going to be a good answer. Let's see. Where does Mr. Okay. Um, th that doesn't seem right. I don't know what he's talking about because you took their money to have the option and then you took more money as rent. And when, bro, you obviously don't own a real estate. There's no way you own real estate if that's your, your reply. You must be a renter. You're basically putting me, I, gotta, I have to be in a horrible situation. You know how many times we've gone to court because tenants don't pay their rent? I have all the risk. So I deserve the reward. $1 attorney bill from one tenant from January that we just paid last week. How much? $6,000. Okay, so Mr. Skyline says that doesn't seem right because you took their money to have the option and then you took more money as rent. When they go by, you're changing them full price. Doesn't seem ethical to me. Well, you must not be a property owner. What is ethical is they can always go and buy their old property. Oh, wait, they can't because they have shitty credit. They have a shitty job. They might have just gone through a divorce. And so we're doing them a service. We're giving them a five year. Who gets a, who gets, it sounds like he's objecting to the way a lease option works. I think the biggest thing to understand is the value that we're actually bringing to the lease option E as well. If they 
have an intention of purchasing it. You have to look at a lot of these people's situations, like Pace is saying, some of those individuals, they may have just gotten a divorce, their credit's shot, they're having some financial troubles to be able to qualify for a property to purchase. But think about this, Skyline, is you have an individual that they have a child that goes to a school in a particular school district, and they don't wanna be bouncing around rental to rental, hoping that they can stay in that same school district. So instead they do a lease option to buy on a property that right now they can't buy that property because of their situation. But in two and a half to three years, they can stay in a stable residence where the rent is going to be staying about the same, where they know that they're going to be able to have their child go to that same school in the same school district. They aren't going to be forced to move somewhere else. It provides security and it provides an opportunity for and a pathway for them to be able to get into a property and then to be able to purchase that property. Because in two, three years, that same person, if they went to go buy, they're gonna do what? They're gonna go pay full price retail on the MLS regardless. They're not gonna be, they aren't investors. They're not buying off market deals and getting massive deals. The lease option is a big benefit for that, that individual that wants to be in a situation where they have security and stability in where they're living. Yeah. And more important than that on a lease option, guys, listen to this. Okay. Why would somebody want a lease option over a rental? Right? Because the reality is a rental is actually way less expensive than a lease option because they're not paying an option fee. So if they're not happy with our quote unquote unethical behavior, Mr. Skyline, that means they can go rent if they really want to. But why would somebody want to do a lease option? Let's talk about that. What are the benefits to a lease option tenant? The biggest one is what's the average lease from a landlord to a tenant? What's the average lease to a tenant? About a year, sometimes two years. Every, every once in a while, you will get a two-year lease, right? So what if you have kids? What if you have a job that you really like? What if you're trying to, you know, dig roots in the, in the community, right? Your church is close by, everything's close by, and your landlord, guys, tell me this, especially right now, we've got over 300 people watching live. How many people have rented a property from a landlord, your lease ends, and your landlord says, I'm going to sell the property you need to move out of the house? How many people has that happened to? Give me a Yes. Who has had that happen to them? I've had it happen to me, right? And then the landlord can continually raise the rent. Guess what? We can't do that on a lease option. As a landlord, that lease option tenant now has five years to go fix their horrible situation. Maybe it's not horrible. Maybe it's just squampus a little bit. Get a promotion at work. Fix their credit. Get a secondary income. We're giving them five years and locking in a price. I can tell you right now, all of our lease option tenants are raking in money off of these, these situations that we've put them in. So if you actually sat down with me and you looked at a deal, which your, your comment, no offense, but your comment, just want to say this to the audience, it shows me that you've never done a lease option, nor it shows me that you've never owned a property before because you don't know the risks that a landlord goes through and you would never, ever say what a landlord does is unethical, ever. You would never do that. If you had to deal with one renter in your life, you would never, ever, ever say that somebody was unethical as a landlord. It's incredibly taxing. It's incredibly challenging dealing with tenants. Mm -hmm. Now, 
We've got one tenant right now, one tenant that cost us a $6,000 attorney bill. One of the best questions that I've seen so far, Dario asks, Cody, I'm going to answer, I'm going to ask this question to you. Since the monthly rent doesn't go towards the purchase price, which it doesn't because I'm not seller financing this, guys. It's a lease with an option to buy. Okay, Dario knows this, but he's just clarifying that through the, for the audience. A lease option is good for the tenant who likes the property and wants to stay for a long time, right? Because they can rent regularly with no fee. That is absolutely true. Now, there's something that was amazing that just was brought up. I loved it, Okay. Um, it was about right here, Bill Jones. So what if the, um, the lease option tenant leaves the property trashed is the cost of doing business. Is that just the cost of doing business or can you go after them for significant damage? Cody, do you think that if we went after any of our lease option tenants or any of our renters for significant damage that we would ever collect a red cent? Never, ever. Never. Ever that, and it would yeah. cost us more to get the damages. I mean, most of the time, even doing insurance claims on your properties, you're not going to recover back what your ins your insurance is going to go up. You're you know going after the tenant like the, this particular situation where we have an attorney bill at six grand. We're also putting that you know fifteen hundred dollars into fixing up that property that this tenant screwed up. But again, that's part of being a landlord. That's part of being an owner of rentals. And so that's, you know, why a lot of people that are getting into the real estate game, we say, hey, wholesale first, you know, get get some cash coming in, maybe do some flips, you know, get some reserves going in. But that's part of it. Like you not that's not going to happen on every property you have, but you're going to have a bad tenant here and then. And it's just something that you have to plan for. Yeah, 100 percent. So, Liz, great question. She said or statement. Great statement. This happens to a lot of people, guys. So check it out. She says, that happened to my parents after living in the house for over 10 years. Their quote unquote friends slash landlords gave them three move, months to move out. We are getting that so much right now. My wife, who's a traditional realtor, gets a lot of calls on a daily basis of people saying, hey, do you have any rents? Do you have anything for rent? Do you, do, does Cody and Pace have anything for rent? My wife's like, man, no, why? What's going on? My landlord just after five years decided he's selling his property and I it, completely out of the blue, he's not going to ex extend my lease. So a lease option is a major, major benefit for people in that situation. Absolutely major benefit. So no, it's it's the opposite, opposite of unethical. An unethical person, wow, Aaron Leitz for 20 bucks. Thank you so much. Aaron Lee says a lease option lets you buy a house without qualifying for a loan. This is amazing for many people, including the self-employed or, or those with bad credit. Well, a lease option only gives you five years to go out and get your own loan, Aaron. So they've got to go out and get their own loan. But thank you for the comment. It's freaking amazing. So good reason for that option fee, right? So an option fee, why do we give people an option fee? Because the reality is we actually have more downfall on a lease option, in my personal opinion, than they have in, in the downfall because we're locking in a future price. Cody and I, two years ago, were thinking, oh man, a lot of these lease options, we're going to make a ton of money on these. But now we're looking on paper and it's like, oh my gosh, we left forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 on the table on each one of these houses. Bro, I'm not joking. We probably have a good... We probably have a good five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars sitting on the table right now in lease options that we just 
undervalued our lease option. I mean, you know, you couldn't have, neither of us could have predicted that appreciation would go up 25, 30% in, in one year time. I mean, it's like that you can't predict that. <laughs> right, right, right. So um, guys, Scott Barker says, is it 9 p.m. in Phoenix right now? Guys, look, this is what I want you guys to do. We are in our own time zone all on our own. Okay, we, we just go, just go to Google and type in Phoenix time now. And it'll tell you our time. I think our time right now is 8.02, okay? Yep. So next year, or I'm sorry, next week, sorry, guys. Next week, we are live every Sunday, 7 p.m. every single week. We've only missed one show in probably a year and a half, and it was because um, the time zone difference, okay? Now, there were some really good questions on here. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to zoom up and get some of these questions out because I missed like four or five really, really good ones. Ooh, this one's good. Cody, talk about this one. Do you know the percentage? I know right now, what's our new exit strategy we're focusing on right now? Yeah, so what percentage do you keep as traditional rentals and what makes you choose that over lease options? So that's always going to change based on the market conditions. So currently right now, because of things going on with like the moratorium and, you know, evicting people has became challenging is we're converting some of our rentals actually into Airbnbs because they cash flow better. And we are dealing with uh, not as much management because we have somebody that manages those Airbnbs for us. Um, if you didn't watch the show with myself and Noah Hoffman, um, he manages our Airbnbs. It was a couple weeks back. You can check that out on Sunday service as well. But we are actually doing no lease options currently um, and as, as our exit strategy. Our primary uh, exit strategies right now is really just turning properties into rentals or into Airbnbs. So that's, that's what we're doing. And it just really changes based on what the market conditions are. Um, but as of right now, just rentals or Airbnbs. So I want to touch on that real quick. Your exit strategy will change over time, right? So as you, at your phaseology, right? So when you first join, let's say you join the sub two mentorship. One of the first things I teach you to do is wholesale sub two, wholesale seller finance, wholesale lease options, wholesale novation agreements, wholesale, um, all of these opportunities, wholesale them, make a fee, watch the paperwork unfold, watch the process unfold, learn it. And then as you gain momentum, you can elevate your exit strategies. Now, the, the best exit strategy of all time is this, a traditional rental. Because you never lose the property, you cash flow, you control the house. That's the, be it's the best exit strategy for long-term wealth, okay? Yep. It's the best exit strategy for long-term wealth. Stable, it's right there in the middle. Could we Airbnb a ca and cash flow a lot more? Yeah, but we're buying very specific properties for Airbnbs. Like the last one I did in Texas, it's going live today. Um, Noah Hoffman, speaking of which, was swimming naked in my pool as he was in Dallas setting up that house. But um, that property was a half a million dollar home, right? The, the Airbnb I bought outside of our partnership before that was $1.3 million. And then another one I'm looking at in Vegas right now is a $400,000 house. So we're not doing mobile homes you know, with Airbnbs. However, no. I all day long with Cody, I would rather just have a million mobile homes that we just rent out for the rest of our lives. Same. Right. 
So um, your exit strategy does change as your as your business strategy changes and your capital in your bank changes and your experience changes, right? So you elevate, and that's kind of the cool thing. Whereas, like, um, have you? So check this out, Cody. You, have you ever played Mario Brothers? Yes. Okay, so Mario Brothers, like number one, right? Number one original like Nintendo game, right? A B up down left right right that 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 square controller. Do you remember that? Uh, no, I don't think, I don't think I'm old enough. Okay. But you've played Mario, right? I played Mario. Yeah. I had a Nintendo 64. Okay, cool. So you had a Nintendo 64. So typically when you play Mario games, there's about eight or nine worlds that you have to go and conquer, right? Or you don't remember that you just played Mario Kart. I played, I played Mario Kart. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So Mario Kart here, let me switch up the analogy for you. Let's imagine like you got to go play Mario Kart and you got to go play like the mushroom cup, the flower cup, all these cups, right? Yep. So let's say that you go through and you, you grab that controller, you start playing, you're like, man, this first track was so fun. I'm just going to stay on this track for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Does that sound fun to you or does that get boring? Oh, you're like, what's the next one? What's the next one? Right. The way I look at that is like Rainbow Road is where you and I are, right? Because we're like, we got all the colors. We got that last thing. We got all these shortcuts. We got all this fun stuff. That's the goal, right? To have all the options, all the colors, all that kind of stuff. Basically, if you're a wholesaler, you're stuck on Mushroom Cup, dude. You're still on Mushroom Cup. You're on that basic ass track with that, that, that controller and you're just going around that track. That's boring. Right. So creative finance allows you to continue to go through each one of these tracks and learn the track and get better at your skills and keep going. And then you ultimately get to rainbow road and you, it's like, dude, this is the best. Kevin Smith says, Cody, you're making me feel old knowing what Mario bros is. I know what it is. I just haven't played that version of the game. Right. So guys, that, that's essentially why wholesale versus creative finance. Yeah. You look, we wholesale, right? We love wholesale. It's great. I have nothing against it. But the reality is there's very little growth in wholesale. It's very limiting. It's very competitive. And ultimately, there's very little competition in the creative finance realm because it requires one more brain cell to be successful. It's great. Um, Aberrant Art says, Pace, how does your course go through step-by-step step how to make money with creative finance? I've spent the last 17 months watching your videos and others, and it feels impossible to be successful. I can tell you the number one reason why people are successful or not are not watching videos of mine, okay? The number one reason why people are successful or not is taking consistent action every single day for a very consistent amount of time. That's it. That's it. Now, can I cut your learning curve by being in my program? 1,000%. Now, the second reason why people are successful is because they're part of a community. Okay. They're part of a community. Now, Rick Corbett says, say yes, Pace, say yes. Look, I don't want, I don't want to be a self-promoting guy, Rick. You know that about me. Um, I just made an amazing call for Rick. So Rick is like my best friend right now. He, he, he loves the last call I made to one of his sellers, but I don't want to be a self-promoting guy. You either like me, you don't like me, but the reality is this. If you guys are a sub two student, and you feel like the community inside of Sub2 alone is worth a million dollars, make a comment. And if you feel like the community and leveraging that community is like the, the biggest superpower of all time and shortcut to success, give me a yes, give us some support, 
Talk about the community, and that's really the answer. It's why I don't believe on in one-on-one coaching programs because I think one-on-one coaching programs are for idiots. They don't realize that you need a community to be successful, right? Now, everybody that tells me they're lost, they're having a hard time, I always get down, okay? I always get down to one question. When I get on a one-on-one stuff, okay, I get on one-on-one stuff, Cody, what do you think is the number one thing that people are really struggling with? Is it they're lost, they're confused, they're overwhelmed? Is it really any of those? Um, I mean, they're just usually not taking consistent action. Not 100, 1,000%, that's the problem. Anytime somebody says, I'm lost, I'm frustrated, I'm confused, I'm this, I'm that, 100% of the time when I get down to the situation, I do a one-on-one with them, it comes down to, well, yeah, I, I'm not consistently taking action. And then two, I don't have people in my, in my community that want to help me, which is why we built sub2.com. There's no community like it. We are a family like nothing else. So um, Andrew says, found you yesterday, watched over 12 hours of content. I don't even know where I have 12 hours of content. It couldn't be the 24 hour lie or the 24. Oh yeah. Yeah. We might have a thousand hours of content. (laughs) Um, I love it. So does this work in Canada? Yes, it works in Canada. Um, Aberrant R. I would love to know your real name, to be honest. Um, But look at the comments, right? Are there any students in here that are unhappy? You can be honest with me. Are you unhappy? And are you taking consistent action? And is this not something, bro, one Zoom with like Anderson Business Advisors just two weeks ago is worth $10,000. Me personally, you know, the men, the mastermind that you and I are in, I go to Miami. I listened to a nine hour thing from Toby Mathis about charities. And I said, this cost me the price of the mastermind, but it was worth $200,000 in value, easily $200,000 in value. That one nine hour, uh, part of my life was worth $200,000 in value, maybe millions, millions and millions. And what do I mean by that? It means that my family, my legacy will have millions and millions and millions of dollars more because I learned that one thing from somebody at a high level. Now, what's funny about it is this freaking amazing. I go back and I'm, I'm traveling back home, right? From Miami to Phoenix. And I'm like, you know, Toby Mathis, my new homie. I'm going to go back to his YouTube channel and be like, how did I miss this? I've watched all of Toby's stuff. Dude, it's completely different when you're learning from people in person and you're in a a mentorship. It is a completely different experience because you can now ask something based on the situation you're dealing with, right? You can now communicate directly with those people instead of just being on a podcast, right? The podcast is there to gain interest, figure out, do you like this? Do you not like this? Okay, I don't like creative finance. I don't like building wealth. I want to go do... um, non-fungible tokens and and buy kitty cats on my digital app, right? Whatever it is that you're into, sometimes podcasts are just here to deviate you to a different realm, okay? (laughs) But if you're you're trying to get into real estate, it's it's the place to be, okay? Ooh, this one's a great question. Phoenix Fish, what if the market drops and the lease option does not appraise? Cody, you you got any thoughts on that? You want me to answer it? Then you negotiate. You there negotiate. you go. You negotiate. Okay, what are we going to do, Mr. Optionee? Are we going to extend the term? You as the owner of the property then have to make a decision. And that's a risk that they take. And that's a risk that we take. They take the risk that maybe it wouldn't appraise at that market value. 
we take the risk as the homeowner that we undersell it. There's equal, you know, there's risk on both sides. Corey G says, what was the name of the mastermind in Miami? It is a group that is capped at 50 people. It is a yearly fee and it is something that I call the fight club of real estate investing. We're not allowed to talk about the name of that mastermind and it's very high level. Um, only people that are verified, bona fide doing um, a million plus a year in business are allowed. And it is like the black card of masterminds. You are only in there through invite only. So I'm not allowed to talk about the, the name of it. But um, Cody and I are members, but I can't talk about the other members, unfortunately. And yes, it is male and female. I had that question from one of my students yesterday um, <laughs> or two days ago. She's like, I bet there's no women in there. I'm like, no, there's a handful of women. It's good. Um, okay, so a couple of really good questions. Facebook, um, here we go. After joining the Sub2 Mentorship, I call all my sellers with 10x more confidence. It's not even funny. Any objections they have, I have an excellent rebuttal. Again, a thank, uh, thanks to watching live Zoom calls. Boom. Uh, Aberrant Art, how are you not in our Facebook group, bro? Creative Finance with Pace Morby is our Facebook group. Jump into that. It's an unbelievable group, okay? Um Mastermind Mafia. It's very similar to that. Yes, 100%. Um, all right. Ruri, Ruri says, hi, just got here. Can you wholesale a probate property? Cody, give us the answer to that. Yes, you can wholesale pretty much anything. I say pretty much anything because someone's going to be like, you can't wholesale this. Right. You can hold, you can, yeah, so you can wholesale a, pro, a probate property. In fact, um, Rory, you just, you just, you might, I've never actually pronounced your name, so you must be very new. We do, Cody and I do a lot of probate deals. Um, can you believe that deal last night that Jamil was talking about? That was a deal a year ago. I sold to Jamil through Rylas. His, uh, his client, Cody, uh, Jamil's client went off and sold that. And I was, I was thinking it was a skinny deal. Jamil was making me feel it was a skinny deal. Of course, smart guy. Um, that's why I let him pay for dinner more often than not. Um, and then they went off and made $177,000. Crazy. My gosh. We need, we need those flips. We need more of those flips. Yes. Um, so one thing that it was really, really interesting right here, um, about the, about the, what, what happens if the market crashes? Okay. So Phoenix fish, what if the market drops and the lease option does not appraise? I want to wrap this up because it's a very important, really good question you have to be a really good property owner and you have to negotiate with that lease option tenant and say, hey, look, obviously the market, unforeseen events. Yes, could I choose to not extend your option? Yes, I can. That's within my rights. And it says in the contract that we're not um, responsible for market conditions. You're entering in, into this on the risk of your own. However, we're always going to go back and renegotiate. Always. We want to do good by people. Okay. We want to take care of our people. We want to have a good reputation. Okay. So, Guys, thank you. Everybody that's a sub two student, please let everybody know. Um, let everybody know in the comments where you're from. Okay. If you're in the sub two mentorship, let everybody know where you're from because we've got over 300 people that are watching this live and I want to make sure they have the opportunity to JV deals with you. Okay. Thank you. Um, and if you guys are looking to, um, let's see here. I'm, I'm on like full screen here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. So 
let's check it out. We've got, we have, I've got some really amazing questions up here, but the comments blew up. So they kind of got lost. So hold on just a second. I want to go back up in here and pull some of them out. Now, Cody, are we doing many lease options right now? Or have we kind of phased out of that part of our business? Are you excited about lease options right now? I, I've actually not asked this question of you. I'm just curious. Um, no, no, uh, no lease options. I mean, primarily just rentals and then Airbnbs. Honestly, on the reason uh, for not wanting to do lease options is we don't want to lose any of our properties. We want to be holding on to more and, you know, just building our portfolio for longer term. Yeah. So guys, I'm kind of a cool thing there that Cody's talking about is, um, again, we, you phase through this business, right? And you get to a point where like, you know, at least options are great, but at the end of the day, I want to keep all the appreciation, right? We going back to the benefits of creative finance, Cody and I have lost a lot of appreciation on all of our lease option properties over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I would much rather just keep all that appreciation. And now they're going to buy the property. What, what happens is this, okay? There was a great question earlier. If you guys want, we can talk all about depreciation next week. Who wants to talk about nothing but depreciation tax benefits next Sunday? I could talk about that for an hour and a half. Give me a yes in the comments if you guys want us to talk about depreciation. It might seem boring, but then the second you start learning how you can pay $0 in taxes, it's like, wait, what? <laughs> right? So um, what I want you guys to do is if you guys are excited about that topic, let us know. We'll bring that up as the topic for next week. And I might even bring in a CPA. I might bring somebody in here that um, actually will bring you some really quick value. Now, our CPAs, Anderson Business Advisors, comes into the mentorship frequently. But if you guys want like a 20-minute thing with our CPA, actually, no, I won't because it's Sunday. I'm not going to bring a CPA. But what we'll do is we'll talk about um, we'll talk about depreciation next week if I can see a, a ton of yeses in the comments, guys. Um, so, Cody, have we launched Sonnet yet? No, no, that's, we're probably, I would say a week and a half out from being completed with the interior renovations, had some issues come up. We, you know, ended up replacing countertops in the kitchen. There was a water leak upstairs we had to fix. So it, it took a little bit longer than expected, but um, I think uh, Noah's going to be flying out here soon to get it furnished. But by beginning of April, we will for sure. First, awesome. Second. Yeah, we are. Um, we also. I want to find um, the 16 hour live that we did. Okay, guys, if you have not watched our 16 hour live or the 25 hour live, I'm going to put those links in the comments um, here. Sorry, that's why I've been kind of all over the place. If you guys have not seen these, go watch those the 16 hour live and the 25 hour live that we did a to Z creative finance. Those are really, really good if you've not jumped into those. And then also, if you guys don't mind, I will also, if you guys are, there's a handful of people that want to apply. Um, we actually have 14 parts of the country that are, we are no longer accepting students. Um, so if you guys want to see if there's any openings in your part of the country, Go to the website right here, um, go.com or go.sub2.com forward slash start and see if there's an actual opening for the mentorship in your area. Okay. Oh, love this. This is great. So 
Yes, on depreciation because I don't understand it yet. Cody, what do you think? Um, what do you think is the most common thing? What's the biggest thing you've taken away in the last couple of years from depreciation? Anything I mean, that you're just like, dude, dude, I wish I knew this five years ago. I mean, besides not paying taxes last year, really. Yeah, besides not paying taxes last year, even though making the money you made. Um. I mean, really, I would say the biggest thing is I understood that you can use depreciation and get the write-offs on your properties. But the big thing for me was here learning about forced depreciation where you can do multiple years, not just one year of depreciation. So you have that 27 and a half years. I thought it was just you had to take a little bit every year. I didn't even know it was a possibility to take three, five, up to seven years at a time. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something that I um that I learned massive. If we donate, so let's say that you have a property for three hundred grand, mm -hmm. and you donate it to a charity that you you control, you get a full three hundred. Let's say it's a three hundred thousand dollar property, you get a full write-off for that $300,000 property off your taxes. Is that why everyone in politics owns their own private charity? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Uh, I, it, it's crazy to me. I did not know this, but it took, it took um, meeting Toby Matthews in person to actually break through with this to me because I'm looking at all of our rentals, right? And I'm like, okay, well, let's take depreciation off each one of these you know, over the, over a, pay, a period of time. So we can keep not paying taxes. Right. He was yeah. like, well, why don't you just take like your first five year depreciation up front? And then the following year, just take, send the property, donate it to your charity and you'll get a full market value write off of that property. And then that way, because you took that one property, let's say it's my Atlanta deal that I still have like $1.2 million in write off on. I can take, I can donate that $1.2 million or at least transfer the deed to the, to the charity and quote unquote donate it. Here's what's crazy about it, dude. Here's what's crazy. Not only can I now you get that full tax credit on that donation to the ch charity, that means I can get enough depreciate, I can get enough write-off that I don't have to depreciate any of my other properties until I need to, right? And I can pick and choose which properties I want to use, right? Now, the cash flow from my charity is tax free. That's wild. That's wild. That is freaking wild. So anyway, Toby broke down, broke this all down for two and a half hours the other day inside the sub two mentorship. And he's coming back in, in about 30, maybe 45 days where he's going to break down the mechanics of how it works. Cause I went and set up a public charity. Okay. I went and set this charity up and now check this out. This is the crazy stuff. Now my charity is what's donating the money to my whole life insurance policy. So as I'm making cash flow, right? Most people are going to take cash flow, pay after tax, they're going to pay taxes on that cash flow, then put that in their whole life insurance policy. I'm not paying any taxes on my cash flow long term because it's in my charity. My charity is the one that's building the whole life insurance policy, and then my whole life insurance policy is going to be the one doing all the hard money lending. Amazing. I want to be on that call. 1000%. 1000%. I bought, I bought him. Um, oh yeah. 88, 88 trans am pilot. I don't know what your name is. I wish I did. I'm sorry. I, I obviously you're one of our students. Um, but 
Toby and Pace Blue, dude, it was crazy. It was funny during that Zoom. Most most of the students that were watching were like, it, "You know, this is a valuable Zoom." When Pace paused for a second, I was like, "Toby, stop right there, bro." I finally now understand how this all should work. It was the missing key in everything to me. It was a massive, massive game changer. So I applied for my charity about two weeks ago. Should be set up here uh, pretty soon. And then um, I'll walk you through it so you can get your, your setup as well. It, dude, I wish we did it two years ago. That's amazing. Insane. Insane. Um, so, guys, we only have four more minutes left. I'm so sorry. Um, but we are going to talk about, it seems like everybody's really excited about um, depreciation. So I think what we should do next week is talk about depreciation, how to live tax-free, utilizing creative finance. Um, I'm, I'm sure everybody in here, if I said who paid too much money in taxes, everybody's going to say me, except for Cody and me. <laughs> right? I mean, now, when you get... What's that? Matt, Mr. Mr. Beard. Oh, Mr. Beard. Here he is. Good, good to see you, brother. I, I, I missed you at the very beginning. I was just telling everybody how fast quarter one has really gone. Dude, yeah. Crazy. It's insane. I'm excited to meet up this week. So just so everyone knows this, we're implementing this. Uh, typically, whenever we're setting our goals for the quarters, we, you know, we've done it a little bit uh, more lax, I guess is the right word for that. But this week, super excited. Myself, Pace, and Matt, we're all going to get together and spend probably three, four hours going through all of our businesses and some of the goals that we have for quarter two. This is this is a great year. Super excited. Yeah. So, um, really good question here. I'm I'm actually I love this question um, right here. Uh, Freddie says, "Did Do Toby talk about their 401k?" So, guys, I'm going to hurt some feelings for some people right here. Once you become a successful real estate investor, a 401k or an IRA is an absolute waste of your time. A 401k and an IRA are built for people who don't understand the, the secrets to, to the wealthy, right? So do you think Elon Musk has a 401k and an IRA? The answer is no. Absolutely zero possible chance that they do, okay? It is used for tax benefits for, for, for a lot of people that are not real estate investors. Once you're a real estate investor, there is way better tax havens there's way better safe havens for your money. There's way better growth vehicles for your money than 401k IRA combined. Okay. So yes, Toby said, while we do love 401ks and IRAs, they're good for certain people, but Pace, it would be an absolute waste of your time and a lot of your students' time because you have way faster vehicles for getting to wealth than any of those can provide. So yes, we talked about it, but just kind of prematurely. Now, here's something that's interesting. Okay. Um, I want everybody that's a student, everybody that's a sub two student, please pay attention. I think a lot of students that have been in this program, in our sub two program for a long time, again, remember our mentorship is lifetime, okay? Lifetime mentorship. So things will change and upgrade and evolve and all that stuff. And something we just upgraded is this. We now have amazing people available to call your sellers and work deals with you seven hours per day. Okay, so from two o'clock Arizona time to six o'clock Arizona time, just one of those groups of people, Nick Newling, is there to call sellers for the sub two students. Last week he locked up three deals. I think in just two days, the two days that we went live, he locked up three deals. So if you're a sub two student 
and you need help calling your sellers, my team, Cody and my team will be calling sellers from two o'clock to six o'clock live inside the sub two mentorship. Bring your leads. Let us close those deals, whether they're wholesale, creative, whatever. Just please let everybody know that Nick is going live. We're calling it the nightly dial, the nightly dial, the nightly dial. And the nightly dial goes from two o'clock to 6 p.m. Sometimes stretches to seven, depending on how long those calls go. If you are a sub two student, please bring your leads so that Nick can close those deals and help you make some money, get those deals done. Okay. Tanisha, she just joined and she is like, bro, if you join a mentorship where you had like 15 Zooms a week and you had morning dials, roll call, role playing every day, and you have somebody calling sellers live for you four hours a day, insane. It's ridiculous. I mean, oh my gosh, no. How did I not know this? Holger says Nick at night. Caroline, Kelly, I don't know if you guys are on here, but we need to cha immediately change the name of that. Kelly, we have to create this as Nick at night, like a Nickelodeon thing. Oh my gosh, I'm old. By the way, guys, anybody that's a student, Donovan Richards in the house, my brother. Donovan Richard uh, runs one of the daily dials in the early morning. Donovan, I can't even tell. I don't want to tell you, but he sends me a text the other day and he told me how many deals he's currently doing with the sub two students. It's well over 30 deals right now, right now, not total, but right now in his con contracted pipeline, over 30 contracts Donovan's working right now. So congrats. That's a big heavy hitter. Love you, man. Appreciate you. Um, and that's, what's so cool about our, our mentorship. Jeremy Davis, by the way, is building out our whole discord channel for sub two. Thank you guys, everybody inside the, the mentorship that are bringing value. Thank you so much. We appreciate you guys. And the goal for next week, everybody is going to be come to, to come to Sunday service. Let's talk tax free wealth. And I want you guys to bring a friend. The goal for next week is how do we get this live stream? We're over at 350 for the most part of the show today. How do we get to 400 next week? And let's grow this community together. We will see you next week. Cody, you got any final words, bro? Final words. Excited to be back. I feel like it's been a couple of weeks for me since I've been on. So excited to be back. Uh, for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, maybe we are on Spotify and iTunes as well. So you can listen in the car while you're driving to work, while you're working out, while you're doing whatever. And if you're not in our Facebook group, go to the creative financing, go to Facebook, type in creative financing with Pace Morby, join our group, get involved with the community and we'll see you guys next week. Guys, we appreciate you. We love this community. Thank you so much. We'll see you next Sunday.